Hi, this is Lori, your host of Happiness Hangout, a space to come and elevate your happiness levels. You, me, and our guests will discuss and help you apply happiness to all aspects of your life, even if you're already happy. Get your daily boost of information to help you feel your best. Well, hello, everybody. This is Lori Peters at the Happiness Hangout. Welcome to our show, The Place and Space to Help Grow and Support Your Loving Partnerships. And today, uh, we are very excited to have author and CEO of Your Tango, Andrea Miller, on our show. She has just written her first book, Radical Acceptance. And we are going to be talking about Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy Lasting Love today. But first, I would like to tell you just a little bit about Andrea Miller. So Andrea, as I mentioned, is the founder and CEO of Your Tango, the leading media company dedicated to love and relationships. Your Tango's mission is to help women love better and connect more meaningfully, engendering greater happiness, more confidence, and a deeper sense of belonging within the community we serve. Your Tango has built a powerful platform where a community of readers, writers, brands, thought leaders, and the world's leading relationship and mental health experts connect and engage where it matters most, the heart. Andrea is making her debut as an author through her first book, Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy Lasting Love, and it was published in May of 2017 by Atria Division of the Simon & Schuster. She has been featured all over the place uh, for her book, including the Today Show, the early show, CNN, E!, Fox News, ABC, and radio stations across the U.S., as well as in national publications, just like USA Today, the Huffington Post, New York Post, the LA Times, and Business Week. She's a frequent panelist and guest speaker on industry panels, including Internet Week and SXSW, as well as for classes and events at Harvard University, Columbia University, Fordham University, and the Wharton School and NYU Stern School of Business. She graduated in mechanical engineering and earned an MBA from Columbia Business School. And on and on and on. She also is on the board of trustees for the New York Theater Workshop and has been awarded a black belt in, I may have this wrong, Andrea, Shotokan Karate by the Japanese Karate Association. And she's a licensed private pilot. She lives in New York City with her husband and two little boys. So, Andrea Miller, welcome to the Happiness Hangout. Thanks so much, Lori. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, too. And I have to tell you, you know, I just absolutely loved your book, Radical Acceptance, and um, was just so excited when I heard about it to read it, um, because I was lucky enough to meet Andrea um, at a Your Tango conference. So, so glad mm-hmm. you could be with us today. So, I really would like to get in and talk about the book. Um, okay. Tell us, just for our listeners, if you haven't gotten the book, we're going to, we'll absolutely tell you where you can get it. Um, but we want to tell you a little bit about it first. So, Andrea, start out by telling us what does radical acceptance actually mean? Well, thank you so much, Laura. You're so generous in your introduction, and and I love your enthusiasm, and you were the first person that I met at that conference, and you made sure that I actually went to the right place, so thanks for that. Um, I know. We ran into each other in the hallway while I was getting a cookie, which I shouldn't have been getting. (laughs) We got to have our little sugar high every once in a while. Totally, totally. 
so um, so radical acceptance, it, you know, the, the really short answer is learning to replace judgment with compassion and empathy. And the slightly longer version of that is learning and committing and um, succeeding in loving the most important people in your life as they are, as opposed to how you want them to be. And so this book is really written. Um, it has a very personal narrative that runs through it, you know, my own personal narrative. And, and I talk about a lot of other uh, couples experiences, et cetera. So I would say the primary filter is one for um, romantic relationships. There's a lot for people who are single and looking and, you know, kind of in that dating um, phase and then those who have been uh, together, whether dating or just in a long-term relationship. But one of the things that I always emphasize with radical acceptance in the book and, and otherwise is that it can apply so powerfully and so beautifully to truly any relationship. I mean, I've had people tell me they read the book and they're being nicer to their cab drivers and the baristas at the coffee shop, right? So even these, you know, less meaningful relationships um, can benefit from it. But whether it's your, you know, a parent, a child, a sister, a brother, a sibling, a coworker, as well as a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend, I, I mean, truly every relationship, once you get into that mindset of just uh, engaging in a way where you, you meet this other person where they are and you can really start to train yourself and um, um, practice the idea of accepting somebody's otherness. Uh, right. I mean, and, and, you know, we're all busy and, and life gets really hectic, especially if you have kids and a busy job and, and gosh knows what else you might have cooking responsibilities, you know, and, and so many of us, myself included, it's like, Ooh, when that starts to happen, we just want to control things and, and control the people around us. The beautiful thing about radical acceptance is it just, it, it, I, I talk about it being this unexpected path to your own personal transformation. So we, when we think we're actually, you know, accepting these other people, um, the truth is there's so much self-acceptance and self-liberation because control is an illusion, right? We, we want to control situations. Uh, we, you know, often even kind of unconsciously, we want to control other people. It doesn't work. The best gift you can give to somebody you truly love and care about is to just accept them as they are here and now. And that's, that's kind of a longer definition of radical acceptance. Well, you know, right, right off the bat, when you said accept people as they are, that really hit me because yeah. it's almost an, an openness, an awareness to say this is about my loving relationship. But when you said people were out there being nicer to other people, you know, it's it's a little, it's even bigger than that. And totally. I love it's to a lifestyle. hear yeah. that people are telling you that. I know myself, I've been working on being more aware and open to what's happening right in front of me and, mm -hmm. and causing me in terms of I'm happier when I am not only treating myself well, but when I'm being nice and kind and when a compliment's deserved, I give it now, you know. Oh, and, totally. And, mm -hmm. and especially, you know, I have this later on in my notes to talk about, boy, trying to accept people, especially our spouses, our significant others, boyfriends, uh -huh. girlfriends, whatever, where they are. I mean, that I can't wait to get into that, but I'll hold yeah. myself back but <laughs> until we talk about that. But I think that is so important to really let the small stuff go for goodness sake. Um and again, that's a whole other conversation we're going to have in a couple of minutes. But I guess yep. before I get there, and people have a little idea about 
how you accept and being open-minded. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book. What made you do it? I mean, you're so busy with your tango. Goodness knows how many hours a day you work during that. What made you decide to take on such a big endeavor to write a book? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, you're not kidding. It was like um, one of these situations that I I decided years ago. In fact, I was encouraged by um, several of the investors on my board of directors. And, you know, year after year, it's like, hey, how's that book coming along? You know, and I was pregnant. It was like, okay, you know, right after I have my baby. And then it was I'm pregnant again. And okay, and after I have this baby, suddenly I got to this point where I said, there's never going to be a convenient time to stop my life and write this book. And so I just, you know, eventually after having baby number two, I said, no more babies. This book isn't going to be my next baby. And I just felt so compelled. And um, frankly, just this like very uh, strong calling that, what I had personally experienced and frankly, by being brought to my knees in, um, you know, just kind of the most intense in emotional way where, um, my relationship with my husband was on the line and I was trying to build this company and trying to raise kids and, and doing all of these things. And I just, I realized that I was doing it wrong. And as time went on, I started developing this radical acceptance framework and in part, being the CEO of your tango, really, it gave me such an opportunity to learn what's working, what's not working, to understand so much of the research that's happening out there um, that has informed um, the decisions that I've made around, um, you know, kind of how to build and develop radical acceptance. So I was kind of, you know, and then, of course, I was able to observe a lot of other couples through my professional lens, through my personal lens. And ultimately, I just saw this hardly this great need because so many of us suffer from getting this part of our lives wrong. You know, we know the relationship or rather, excuse me, the divorce rate is around 45%. And frankly, if that's not bad enough, the 55% that do manage to stay married, a lot of those people really, really suffer and really struggle in this important relationship. And I was right there, right? I mean, I, I suffered and struggled just as much, if not more, I feel like than a lot of people and so there were this kind of culmination of things from my own experiences and, you know, and doing it wrong. And as I developed this radical acceptance framework and practiced it and looked and, and, and kind of um, wove the, the different strands together, if you will, I just I was able to apply it to myself in my marriage and found that I was able to, to get the most out of my marriage and the most, um, you know, I feel like I've got the husband that I've always wanted and not by insisting he change, but by radically accepting who he is and loving him right here and right now. And I just, I said, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is something that everybody needs to know and understand and practice. So I just, I felt like um, I was so um, graced with these both painful experiences, um, you know, knowing that I've developed that, that bit of compassion and, and understanding, but then figuring out, whoa, how to do it right and, and understanding the, I mean, really the um, psychology and physiology and brain science behind why this works. So it's been, a, it's been just over four years that I've taken to write the book, but I've been developing the radical acceptance um, framework, if you will, for about 10 years. So it's, it's just a lot of research and a lot of love and, and knowing ultimately that it works that I was excited to bring that um, and birth that um, into the world. Well, you know, I have to tell you, while I was reading the book, 
the only thing that kept going through our mind continuously was if, if we would just follow this, there would surely be less divorce. This could make such a huge impact on the divorce oh, rate. Oh, thank you, Lori. Yeah, I, oh yeah, my goodness! Totally because can. accepting yeah. somebody where they are, people will say they do that, but they really don't do that. Totally. Um, oh, sure, exactly. I accept him. Uh, but then we're complaining about that our significant other. We're we're talking about them to their face. We're telling yeah. them what we want them to do differently. And I really like throughout the book how much you clarify about the line between accepting somebody. And how should I say, um, letting that go over the line into what's not acceptable, such as oh, totally. physical, mental, spiritual abuse. That was huge. I mean, if you said it, you said it 10 or 15 different ways. This is not about accepting what's inappropriate, what's dead out wrong. This is about mm-hmm. accepting the person that you love, who's a good person at their base core. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you're... Um amplifying that and and raising that because that's one of the things that I, I, you know, I really endeavor to underscore that point because in part the uh, incidence of the various forms of abuse that you reference is very high, unacceptably high. One out of four women will be the victim of some form of abuse. Um, And so I take this very, very seriously and I, and I know what it can be like to be in a relationship where you, you want to, and, and you're prone to rationalize why it's a good relationship when the truth is it's a crappy relationship. And so I know that it can be very scary and, you know, and all those things that um, conspire to keep somebody in a bad relationship. So I always really tried on your right, 12 different ways at least to say, Hey, abuse is never acceptable. If you're in an abusive situation, you need to get out and not practice radical acceptance. Now for the probably, you know, rest of us, whatever that number is, you know, 75 to 80 percent, you know, we all have a little bit of dysfunction or, um, you know, a couple handfuls of, of dysfunction and um, differences. Right. And that's normal. And that's OK. So the idea is, you know, if as long as you're kind of within that, you know, we, we all have our, our, our quirks and um, shortcomings. If that's you, then radical acceptance can completely transform your life. If you're in an abusive situation, then I'd say, put the book down, extricate yourself from the relationship, hopefully get some help and healing, you know, maybe the next relationship will be a better candidate for radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I kept thinking to myself, Lori 25 years ago reading this book versus Lori today. Yeah. And I kept thinking, what I, just what you said, mm-hmm. I think it's so much about self-love. And, you know, I, I talk about self-love a lot in, in what I do in my work. And if, if you're not loving yourself, at least to a level where you can accept yourself and realize you have flaws and some of them need to be worked on, but you're still a good person and you can accept mm-hmm. yourself, you're probably in a better position to apply this book. But I thought Lori yeah. 25 years ago really had a hard time drawing the line of is mm-hmm. this the right guy or not? Because I didn't mm-hmm. love myself, I wasn't allowing the right men into my life back then. So totally. reading it back then would have been a totally different read than it is now. And you do drive the point home, I think, about self-love, 
Um, if you mm-hmm. want to speak to that more, that would be wonderful. But if you don't have the self-love, how are you ever going to be able to truly accept a, um, another, your significant other? You, you just won't because you haven't even accepted yourself. Well, I think it's, but here's the thing, and I, I, I'm so glad you're also uh, homing in here because I think my experience has been, and I've seen this with a lot of other people as well, that, um, you know, and I talk about this in the book, that, that love is a biological imperative. We cannot thrive in the absence of love. And you're right, both the ability to love ourselves, but also other people. But the idea is that as you know, as I begin to radically accept, and I'll, you know, rather than kind of talking in, in, in theory or theoretically here, I'll just describe what happened with my husband. You know, I have a, a relatively healthy ego, but I talk a lot in the book, and part of that was one of the scariest things about it, was I'm pretty, pretty raw in terms of my various shortcomings and how that I brought those shortcomings. Sounds like maybe even a little bit like you, Lori, some of that, um, you know, lack like complete and utter lack of self-love and self-confidence how I brought that into my marriage and that caused uh, you know a lot of conflict and I I wasn't as equipped as I needed to be to be the mature loving um I mean whether it's spouse or girlfriend like I just I I brought a lot of baggage into the relationship because I didn't feel that sense of my own love uh, love for myself and so where I'm going with this is what I found what was enormously healing about this radical acceptance process in my life and in my marriage is, as I said, whoa, duh, this makes so much sense that I, I am going to do a much better job. You know, and this didn't happen in, in an instant, but over time, I'm going to really try to accept Sanjay, my husband, where he is. And he, I always say, he's a proud Virgo. So for all you Virgos out there, people who are, are friendly with Virgos, you know, one of their defining characteristics, they are so awesome in many ways, but they also are hypercritical. Well, it's tough to, you know, to, to be married to or in a long-term partnership with somebody who's always friggin' critical. I didn't do very well with that. And I had this kind of meta moment when I realized that that was a defining characteristic. Now, some of you may go, what? You know, horoscopes, who cares? I totally believe in them. Um, I'm and, a cancer and I'm sensitive. I couldn't do the hypocritical oh, thing either. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, so... One day he was being critical of me over just something kind of silly. And I looked at him and I said, you know, this is about you, not me. And we high five and we, we laughed our heads off, right? He was like, oh, my gosh, this has been so painful and threatening to me for so long. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, this is about you. This isn't about me. And so, but in part, I just, it's like I had to do that little bit of work to get to that point where I can say, oh, I'm going to quit being so defensive. And and in part, so the really powerful and beautiful thing about radical acceptance is that it's it's as much about loving yourself and doing that powerful inner healing that almost all of us need to do in partnership with somebody else so the more I opened my heart and was accepting of Sanjay and really I mean a lot of it is very introspective I'd have to ask myself and, and sometimes even force myself to go like oh my god why do I feel so angry right now or why do I feel so hurt right now because I knew that some, some of the things he was saying was totally rational, but there was a trigger or something inside of me that just felt unloved, unimportant, you know, not cared for, you know, all those kind of ancient old feelings. And so as, you know, as time went on, I just, I kind of trained myself to go, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? You know, and I 
kind of talk about that in the list of the five steps to radical acceptance, but that kind of that introspection and saying, why does this hurt so much? And why does this feel so threatening? And that's not true, right? And so as I was able to extend more compassion and empathy and non-judgment to Sanjay, that it became this very powerful um, virtuous cycle. We talk a lot about vicious cycles, you know, you know, bad goes to, you know, worse and worse, and then it's, you know, game over. In this case, it's, whoa, you know, my opening up my heart and my, my, you know, my committing to him and meeting him where he is and looking within myself. And as I extend more compassion to him, I was able to extend it to myself. So it is very much that internal making myself, um, you know, reminding myself that I'm worthy of love. And those two really go hand in hand. So it's, it's, it's really both. And I, I think that in part is what makes it powerful. Well, and you know, when you talk about, about combining the two, they kind of go together. When you let somebody else have a break and you, then you tend to give yourself a break. I mean, they do really intertwine quite a bit um, because they say that we, when we're with our partner, we kind of bounce off of each other. Things that we get mad at them, sometimes we're really mad at ourselves. And I love that you were aware enough to realize this is his problem. It's just being projected onto you. And totally. uh, that is a really great epiphany to have for somebody. And that's like mm-hmm. one of many aha moments that I think the book provides is mm-hmm. is how that can look and how you can do that and what that's really like. So. So for those people who are reasonably love themselves or, and, and, and are in what would be considered a healthy relationship, here we go with trying to actually accept the person. Because we even know, Andrea, some of the nicest people, you see them do these things to their significant other, like maybe put them down, dig, dig in there a little bit, get their, you know, dig their heels in, maybe mm-hmm. um, make wise cracks that are supposed to be mm-hmm. funny, but we know there's truth mm-hmm. to them, and all these mm-hmm. things happen. So we know that's part of putting somebody down. So yeah. how, give us some tips, just little tidbits from the book, and I'm sure we, we don't want to give it all away. We want, we want to read the book. So <laughs> what are some tidbits that you would tell people that if they're really – going to consider radically accepting themselves and their partner, what are Mm -hmm. some things that like have to be in place besides self-love or that they need to do just to get that ball rolling? Totally. Um, Yeah. I break radical acceptance down into five steps and I won't go into every, into a lot of detail with each, but they do. It is, it's, it, it it really is these kind of these five distinct things that then it, it forms kind of like this, um, mega Venn diagram because they overlap and they complement each other. And I'll, I'll give the five steps and I'll come back to a handful of tips. Um, in fact, I'll say out of the gate, one of the most crucial things you can do is create safety in the relationship. And that's, I mean, everything that radical acceptance, uh, you know, what I have espoused and um, teach people to do with radical acceptance, it's all geared toward creating safety so that you can be vulnerable. Um, you can be who you are and, that your partner, the person, you know, and again, whether it's a a parent, a child, a sibling, a a spouse, whoever it is that you're practicing radical acceptance with, that they can be safe to be themselves. Because the more that we're able to shed these layers and feel truly accepted, the less likely we are to give those sarcastic responses and eye rolls and 
feeling threatened or feeling controlled. So it all kind of comes back to, um, you know, as human beings, we all need to be seen. And, um, and again, this idea of like, how can we give that, that gift to each other that we can be loved and appreciated for who we really are. And even the most stalwart, stalwart, excuse me, um, you know, cowboy types out there, we all need love, right? I mean, we all need to be loved and appreciated. And, and those, you know, a lot of us, and even myself, I kind of created an armor where it was kind of hard to love me, right? So, so that safety is key. So the five steps are, um, number one, just, and I, I wrote the book very deliberately as a heterosexual female. It's written in, like, I'm talking about my marriage, um, but I can't overemphasize that this book, no matter what gender you are, sexual orientation, religious, not religious, culture, race, you name it. This, I don't want anybody to get too um, attached to the uh, pronouns. This book is for you. Um, mm-hmm. But if I make it too, you know, pronoun neutral, then it kind of starts to lose it, its impact. So it's written in this kind of conversational girlfriend to girlfriend way. So I say step number one, just love him or just dump him. And the idea is either you're in or you're out. There is no in between. And I made that big mistake. It was like, well, I love Sanjay. But dang, he kind of is critical and he makes me a little crazy sometimes and blah, blah, blah. When I finally realized I'm going to be totally in, and it didn't even mean that I was getting married to him that day. Um, it just meant I'm in and I'm in for the foreseeable future. And that's, that's what needs to happen today in the present right now. I am in. So that's number one. Um, number two is uh, stop, reflect, introspect, get outside of your own emotional reaction. So I just, you know, touched on that a little bit. So somebody says something hurtful, they don't say something, you know, they're supposed to, you know, whatever that that thing may happen um, with somebody you care about, and you want to either freak out or walk away or feel hurt or whatever the case may be. I always urge people to really just try to practice just stopping and then, you know, kind of looking at, well, what are the extenuating circumstances? Are they hungry? Are you hungry? Is somebody stressed out? Are they tired? Do they have a bad day? Right? So often stress is one of our own worst enemies. It's less about um, what he should, what he said or what um, she didn't say than we're kind of all like on a hair trigger. So, um, so that's step number two. Really kind of, um, I mean, I, honestly, I'll say it uh, fairly bluntly. I used to be pretty immature, right? As much as I pride myself on all these um, efforts to, you know, to be the right person and to um, strengthen this part of myself. Emotionally, I wasn't as mature as I needed to be to be in a really healthy, lasting relationship. And it took some practice, but I've gotten there. Um, and in part, I'm, I'm, I use pretty tough language because I just, it's like, I feel like if I'm going to really help you, I want to be able to be really honest with where you're having a problem. And I use myself as kind of, you know, my own whipping horse a little bit to say, yeah, I was immature. And you probably immature too, if you're having some of these problems. And if you can just go, like Sanjay always says, facts are friendly. You can just go, oh yeah, this is a weakness, but it doesn't have to be forever, right? Once you recognize that, that weakness, then you go, oh, okay, I can do this differently. I can do this better. Um, so that was step two. Step number three is radical communication, creating a safe space to be heard and really seen. So I kind of already teed that up a little bit, this whole idea of creating safety. And I talk in a lot of detail about different techniques when it comes to communication. Um, I mean, 
one of them that just comes to mind is his Sanjay will often speak in hyperbole. Hyperbole. He'll say, oh, you always do this or you never do that. And rather than really listening to the in- intention of what he was saying, you know, he was basically saying, um, I feel hurt by you're doing this, or you're not doing that. I would instead try to play a private investigator and go down the rabbit hole to prove to him, you know, the one out of five times that I actually did do the thing he said I didn't do. I mean, so dumb, right? So rather than really trying to listen to what he was saying and appreciate that he's giving me feedback, instead I was playing defense and saying, no, 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 it's not always, it's not never, right? I mean, just dumb. So that there are those kinds of very practical tips um, that come into how we communicate and um, and can, you know, instead of the kind of verbal gymnastics or uh, just trying to play one-upsmanship, we can really, um, you know, y- use communication as it's intended, which is to try to understand each other better. And that, that should be the goal, not, not to um, defend. Um, number four is love all of him, even the unlovable parts, which I know we're going to talk about more in a few minutes, um, Lori. But I feel like the idea is that these first three steps kind of provide that framework and that those stepping stones to, okay, now here's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll use um, myself as the example. I'm an Aries. I'm really stubborn. I'm a workaholic. Those are parts of me that are never going to change dramatically. Um, but Sanjay has come to em- embrace them, frankly, a lot more than he had in the past. And honestly, with his, just like I was describing a few minutes ago, as I learned to love all of him, even his quote unquote unlovable parts, his doing the same for me, frankly, has caused, I mean, this is the magic of it, right? It's caused those unlovable parts to, to recede a really big way. I'm not the workaholic I used to be. And it's kind of back to that self-love thing. Why was I a workaholic? It's the same reason anybody's an addict, because they're looking for love in the wrong place. As, a, as an addict, as somebody who you know, whether it's a workaholic, uh, a sex addict, uh, somebody who has eating disorders, these, all these things, we're looking for love and self-worth and validation from outside of ourselves. So what would I do? I tried to build an empire um, because then that would show yeah. the world I am worthy. And so as I became worthy because of what I was developing in my relationship, ho-ho, I don't have to be an addict anymore, right? So that's the amazing thing, how, how that it becomes that inside job. And then finally, I mean, honestly, it's kind of the most fun in my, one of, I mean, I love all the steps that go together, but number five, apply the platinum rule and make him your priority. This is kind of the fun part. Um, and very quickly, the platinum rule takes the golden rule and, it, you know, punches it up in a really big way. We all practice the golden rule with the best of intentions. We treat others how we want to be treated. The platinum rule says, uh, no, no, no. It says, treat your partner how he or she wants to be treated. It's very much, in fact, I reference uh, Gary Chapman's beautiful book, Five Love Languages. I know so many people love and, um, gosh, it's amazing. What a mega longtime bestseller and how on the nose mm-hmm. that one is. And very much that same thing. I mean, so with Sanjay, I always say, I cook way more than I would if I wasn't with him because the way to Sanjay's heart is through his stomach. And that is perfectly fine. I just, you know, that's the thing that I know. And so that's what I do. Um, and then this idea of just prioritizing our partners and these two go hand in hand. Um, so often, so many of us, especially in a marriage or a long-term relationship, we're so guilty of taking each other for granted. And that is one of the worst things that we can do. And that's in part that's what brought Sanjay 
and myself to our knees. I mean, we, it's like we knew in some part of our brains that we loved each other, but emotionally, neither of us felt loved enough by each other. And what would end up happening, the, you know, the criticism, the anger, the hurt, you know, he would get aggressive, I would withdraw. And, and so this idea of saying, whoa, you know, love is an action word. You know, let me, let me show you. And sure, the words are important, too. It's nice to say I love you, and it's nice to hear that. But instead, what I decided to do, or in addition, I should say, I really said, you know what, let me just show him day after day, multiple times a day, <coughs> excuse me, that he is my priority. And so those are the five steps, and that's how they go together. I just love that part about love him the way he wants to be loved. That is so eye-opening because how many people say, well, I just do things the way I do them, and I, you know, I say I love you, and maybe, uh, maybe the person, you know, doesn't, I think most people respond to you saying it, like you said, but maybe somebody wants, you know, maybe it's more sexual activity that they need, maybe it's more touching they need, maybe it's more, it, it, it's caring enough to find out what constitutes love to them. That is totally. huge, and I, you just don't hear about that that much. You just hear about, well, you have to communicate better. You have to do this and that. I think that's extremely eye-opening because I yeah. have to laugh. I don't cook very much, never have. <laughs> I've been independent a long time. I got married very late in life, six weeks ago. It's about six or seven weeks ago now. And, yeah. um, and it's funny because Ryan loves when I'll actually make something. So, and it's funny, um, Andrea, even if it's not some big home-cooked meal, if I'll just take the time to go, what do you want for dinner? I have things that I can make quickly. And he just, he thinks that's, like, amazing. And it's the totally. little things yeah. like that. And he really goes crazy over it. And it's so funny um, because I had to remember, as you said, wait a minute, what is it that gets him going in love versus totally. me thinking it's enough just to say I love you? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's the thing. It's that showing, showing your love. Love is an actual word. That is one of my biggest mantras. And, you know, and just this idea of you're whatever you're, whatever it is, you're whipping it up, you're giving it to him with love. Because the last thing you want to do is create a meal filled with resentment, right? And you walk yeah. on the table. Well, you know, here's your meal. Like, and then you know, that's like not only are you just spoiling it for the other person, but you've just kind of created that um, opportunity for you to do something in love. And, and that, I mean, our, our brains process, that's one of the things I talk about in the books. I, I did talk with a lot of um, um, different kind of scientists, brain scientists and, and neuroscientists and um, biologists. Ultimately, you get what you give, right? And we all know that from a very kind of amorphous, like it's a great line of a song. But when you really... Um, dig into it on a, I mean, truly on a biological level and on a um, neural level, how the brain processes is deep in like the uh, medulla part of the brain, like deep in that limbic system, how the brain processes, if you're, if you are projecting resentment or criticism out to another human being, the brain doesn't register whether that's coming in or out. It just registers that that's happening. Right. And so it is the most haha, beautifully, wonderfully, and powerfully self-serving thing you can do to project love and tenderness and nurturing and compassion. I always say when I'm serving Sanjay, so this is made with love. And, and it's just the greatest gift because 
he knows that it. it makes him feel good and he's that much more likely. Right. I mean, not that we're keeping score and I, I don't expect anything, but just the sweet tenderness that comes back to me is phenomenal. So, yeah. So it ends up being very much of this. Um, we can create a virtuous cycle or we can create a vicious cycle. It's up to us. Well, yeah. I mean, it, there's so much study on gratitude, too. And I, I yeah. talk a lot about gratitude. When you when you put it out there, it makes the giver feel as good as the receiver. So, right, mm-hmm. your brain isn't – the endorphins are going off and your brain is not registering. Um, it's just taking it in. It just knows it yeah. feels good. So, you know, yeah, that all totally. connects really well together. So there's a couple of areas that uh, I, I really want people to understand that I read about. What, can you talk a little bit more about settling versus sabotaging? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bet. Um, this is something, you know, I just, I wanted to, to write a book that knowing that radical acceptance works no matter what stage of a relationship you're in, you know, whether it's, oh my God, you've been married for 25 years and I'm so resentful and I just, oh, I don't know what to do. I say, oh my God, uh, brother, tie a knot, hang on, this can work for you. Or if you're saying, oh my gosh, I've been going on endless dates and I just can't swipe right or left again. Um, and now you're trying to figure out what do I do? So this is, this part of the book is really, is for people who are often in that earlier stage of their relationship. And sometimes even if they've been married a year or two and they're thinking, oh, did I make the right decision? Um, did I marry the wrong guy? And so my logic is with the, are you sabotaging or settling the idea of in part, you know, you ask, I feel like you ask a lot of women, um, kind of what their, what their deal breakers are. And if, somebody tells you that they've got, or I mean, men too, for that matter, but they've got six different deal breakers. Well, no wonder you're alone, right? I mean, this idea of saying, how can you open your heart and mind to another human being and not have this like perfect preconceived image of what Mrs. Perfect or Mr. Right, you know, looks like out of the gate. But instead, I mean, this is where the practice of really opening your heart and mind is so important. I'll, I'll give a really quick story about a, just a, a wonderful uh, couple who came together, this lady, um, uh, Rebecca, she, uh, she went through a very devastating breakup and um, just said, you know what, I, I just need to make a change in my life. So she decided to do the Shonda um, Rhymes Year of Yes, if you're familiar with that book. And even if you're not, the idea is just for a year, she just said, I'm going to just try to say yes to everything. And that was her idea of healing. I'm going to uh, say yes to new experiences, yes to new people. And because she was newly single, she said, I'm going to say yes to even the most um, unlikely candidates for dating, right? So she just went on date after date and had these new experiences and said yes. And her heart and mind was open like never before. Um, So fast forward, maybe another year, right? You know, you're down the road. She meets this wonderful man, Ethan, and they totally hit it off. It was fantastic. Fireworks, all this stuff. He goes to, he allegedly goes to, you know, Friday, he goes dark, doesn't hear from him again till Monday. So there's a little more back and forth. They get together again. Well, she realizes she met and, and fell in love with an Orthodox Jew. Well, he observed um, Sabbath. So on Friday at sundown, he totally unplugs, um, you know, nothing electrical, nothing mechanical. And then I, I, I want to say they resurface either maybe it's late Sunday or on Monday. 
But the long story short is she was Jewish, but she wasn't Orthodox. And that is a whole other lifestyle. And she just said, and now they're together, they're getting married. And he hasn't asked her to convert, um, but she has, she has really embraced him and his religion and his culture. And she said, there's no way she would have had she not gone through that year of yes and opening her heart and mind. And so I bring this all back to this idea of are you settling or sabotaging that if, if we think because there's an endless pool of potential um, perfect partners out there, we're going to continue to reject person after person um, because we're expecting somebody to sweep us off our feet, you know, in the first instance. Um, so I say, if you're going on date after date, really try to find a reason to go on a second and a third date. Find a reason to say yes, because so often what what is most endearing and most you know, wonderful and lovable about somebody may not be, you know, instantaneously apparent, right? We all kind of have our, our layers. Um, and so this idea of saying, you know, don't sabotage yourself. And, you know, with regard to settling, the idea that I'm a believer, it, I kind of have co-opted the Vince Lombardi um, leaders are made, not born. I say soulmates are made, not born. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not saying that every single person is compatible, but unless somebody is totally repellent to you, you know, if you give them a chance, they may become somebody that you like and, and eventually love. So if you give somebody that chance and build a relationship and, you know, and realize that, wow, there's, you know, there's real potential here. Um, that, you know, that to me is the way to building a life that's beautiful and worthy. And instead just saying, you know, what is so typical, unfortunately, in this, you know, world of endless dating apps, you know, oh, my God, I'm just surrounded with a bunch of losers. Well, if you're saying that, I mean, the problem's not them. The problem is you. So that's, again, that's a little bit of uh, tough love, but um, but it works. Yeah, because there's a difference between deal breakers, which are yeah. things that you know, and being overly picky. Um, and then, exactly. then you throw chemistry on top of it that, that, feeling that you just know you're connected or you have to be with that person. It is a little messy and confusing. So, yeah, you know, I just, of course you've got to have that feeling there. And if there's a deal breaker being broken, like you want to have kids and the other, your partner doesn't, you know, those oh, are yeah. major issues, totally. but it's totally. around things that really, you know, aren't that big a deal. Things I, I tease my husband about, certain things that he does, certain color socks that he wears. <laughs> I tease him and oh, I go, right. yeah. really, are you wearing those socks? You know, but but those are yeah. nothing. I mean, those things, those things are nothing when you think of the deal breakers and what you really want from a partner. So being able to really let that go, and I love when you say, just love him. Like when I read that, I went, oh, I don't know why, yeah. because I think sometimes, you know, as a, a person who was engaged at the time, you do – you know, think, oh, my gosh, you know, are we going to be able to make this work? And is this is this really going to be able to happen? And when I read that, I know it, I kind of just let my guard down. But you have to be ready for that. So yeah. when you walk into this, Andrea, and say you actually get to the point where you think all that's in place and you're ready to just love him, the problem is, and this hit me too when I read this, you can go at different speeds. So, like, you're mm -hmm. ready to go, and he has no idea this is coming, and he isn't <laughs> responding how you want. Tell, talk to us a little bit how 
we get through that when we're not going at the same pace and he has to catch up with our own radical acceptance? And maybe he's not accepting you as fast as you've chosen to accept him. What do you do? Totally. Oh, I love that. That's one of the best questions. And honestly, I feel like this is where enlightened leadership is probably the most important, right? Because we can be so much better, you know, employees or entrepreneurs, parents, neighbors, you know, siblings, brothers, sisters, community members, senators, you name it. Um, if we've got that core relationship, I mean, that kind of, it, it almost makes us bulletproof in some ways, right? We've got that, you know, we, we, we know somebody has our back and, um, and we can go out and, and really do the important work that we're put on this um, earth to do. Um, and so, so I, I say the enlightened leadership bit, because if you say, you know, Hey, Lori says, Oh my gosh, I've got this message. It's radical acceptance. It's, you know, oh, wow, I can really make this positive impact in my life and in my husband's life. I say, take the lead and, and do it. I mean, that's exactly what happened in my relationship. You know, it's like we tried it. Uh, I, I always say it's like I tried everything else. And, and finally, and that's why I always say it brought me to my knees. I realized I needed to change. And so that to me is the greatest leadership. I looked with them and said, I need to do this differently. And I can't wait for somebody else to tell me to do it. And, you know, and sure there's therapy and there's, there's other forms of help, but ultimately I can't keep pointing the finger, you know, either pointing the finger and saying, Hey, I don't like your, you know, how critical you are, or you're not doing X, Y, and Z, or waiting for him to love me the way I want to be loved. Right. And I knew he was a good guy. I knew he was, kind and generous and somebody that I wanted to be with. So I said, let me take the high road here. Let me change and, and approach this a little bit differently and accept him um, as he is. And so this idea of, and then prioritizing him more and really trying to figure out the platinum rule thing so that I can do more to make him feel loved. Um, I mean, the magic is, is that eventually you know, unless you're like a misanthrope or a, a sociopath, the person's going to respond, right? And they, mm -hmm. and it may not be, and I think your point's a great one because this can be really unnerving to somebody. It's so, it's so common for people to keep score. They want tit for tat. They want even Steven, but throw all that away. And that's in part where the just love him comes in. If it's like, hey, I'm in for the long haul. And if this person is, you know, he's taking a little longer to, to get with the program, that's okay because I'm in for the long haul. Now, again, if, if this is somebody that's, you know, abusive or overly narcissistic or, or whatever, well, then, then yeah, they're probably not going to respond. But if he's a, he or she is a decent human being and you're throwing all that love at them and acceptance and um, positive compliments and, you know, these kinds of things that we do that just make being around us so much better – um, you know, and I'm so convinced we are just energetic beings, right? So the more, the better I feel, it becomes a, a lot more effortless, right? So it's kind of back to how can I, you know, love myself and bring my best self into the relationship, which is a process, but that's the idea is that you get to do it together. So I say, if, if this resonates with you, go for it. And if you're with somebody, you know, God forbid, in a very unlikely scenario, if you're with somebody who, you know, you're practicing radical acceptance and you know, weeks and months go by and you're just loving your little heart out and practicing the platinum rule and doing all these things. And, and the guy or the woman, they don't respond at all, you know, and you're just kind of in this, you, you kind of feel alone. Well, then you're not in a 
you're not with somebody who you can have a, a long-term relationship with anyway. And I would say, well, that's probably the best news is that you've gone to the mat to build a beautiful, healthy relationship. And that person hasn't responded. So then you either get to say, I'm, I'm okay with it being on these terms or gosh, I can do better. This isn't somebody that I want to have a lasting relationship with. And I'm, I'm guessing 99.9% of the people would say, yeah, this, this person, we're, we're actually not a good match. And better to find out, you know, through practicing radical acceptance than going on years and years and saying, oh, my God, why is there so much dysfunction? Why doesn't he make me happy? On and on and on, all that stuff we hear. So there's no risk. I mean, there truly is no risk to um, loving somebody more, uh, cultivating your own self-love. Love is never wasted. Well, we're talking to Andrea Miller about her book, Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy, Lasting Love. And I guess in ra- wrapping up, Andrea, um, tell us what um, kind of feedback and how people – you told us a little in the beginning about how people yeah. are, are responding and being nice to other people. But what <laughs> else is going on is, is since the book's been out a little bit? Tell us about what other things people are saying. Oh, well, you're an angel for asking because it's been so gratifying as a first-time author who I've put my whole – heart and so much of my not even just time but you know there's a huge vulnerability for me because it's so personal so what has been so meaningful to me is those kinds of experiences people just changing their you know their day-to-day and even small ways to the most transformative um i mean one one person that got the book you know and took the platinum rule to heart and you know long story short um she kept saying i love you to her boyfriend he never said it back she really practiced the platinum rule, you know, went over the top and he finally set it back and now they're getting married. Right. So there is certain, you know, kind of very, very measurable outcomes. But one of the others is that I've heard, oh, my gosh, I've bought, you know, five copies. I'm my one of my uh, uh, friends just said I'm buying five copies for all my best girlfriends. We're all going to be practicing radical acceptance on our husbands, on our kids, on, you know, on everybody. Others have um, said they're going to give that. That's going to be their holiday gift. Um, to their friends and family this year. So it, it has been a, um, a very positive, I mean, really overwhelmingly positive. And then, gosh, uh, you know, just it's been fun to kind of get it into the hands of um, just different um, thought leaders, et cetera, that have had such wonderful things to say about it. So it, it's all very positive, I have to say. Well, I'll tell you, from my point of view, I really loved it. Um, you got to get out there and get the book, Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy, Lasting Love. And, Andrea, tell um, tell our listeners where they can get the book. Awesome. Well, if you if you happen to have um, a, an Amazon account, um, of course, it's on Amazon, and there's an ebook, you know, paper uh, copy as well. And then I also did the audio recording. So if you're somebody who likes books on tape, you get to listen to my lilting voice for 13 hours. Um, it, it, it actually was such a blast. So um, yeah, so there's that. If you live in New York City, there's Book Culture, an independent book chain. Um, if you're a Barnes & Noble fan, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books a Million, and then just a smattering of independent bookstores um, here and there have it. But you, you should be able to find it most places books are sold. Well, outstanding. Well, um, I know it's doing great, and I wish you much, even more success. And Andrea Miller, thank thank you you. so much for being on the Happiness Hangout today. I've loved it. Thank you so much. This has been such a treasure for me. I really appreciate it. Well, wonderful. Thanks again. And this is Lori from the Happiness Hangout. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is your host, Lori. 
Want to get more happiness? Check out all the free readings, activities, and my blog at my website. Want to learn how to deal with life's challenges from your positive core? Check out Empowering Yourself to Happiness class, done totally online. You can find it all at www.happinesshangout.net. www.happinesshangout.net. Come explore and feel better wherever you are. This is Lori Peters with the Happiness Hangout. I provide presentations on happiness and well-being to businesses, schools, and anyone involved in wellness and professional days. Check out tons of free resources and activities also at my website, www.happinesshangout.net. Feel better wherever you are. us grow the happiness hangout show become a sponsor businesses and nonprofits get your info out there to thousands of my listeners all over the world for just pennies individuals can also sponsor one or more shows and you get a shout out to your favorite charity several packages available come see what you get and put out there what's important to you go to www.happinesshangout.net www.happinesshangout.net for more information.